Hello, and welcome to our weekly message. Today's message, Pastor Myron continues our sermon series titled Body Language. This week's message is titled Pray for One Another, from Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. And we're studying some of the one another's in the New Testament. The question we're asking ourselves is what language would our God have us speak to one another in the body of Christ in these days of continuing loss and sorrow. And last Sunday we focused on the one another that says love one another. And this morning our focus is pray for one another. Now there's an old, old movie. It's an old western movie. It's called The Western Code. And in this old, old movie there's a classic scene where the sheriff has a showdown with the outlaw. And in that showdown... The sheriff speaks to the outlaw a classic line. And the sheriff says, this town ain't big enough for the both of us. It's an iconic line. It's been uh, shown up in pop culture in all kinds of ways ever since. Books, movies, TV shows, music. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. This morning as we look to God's word, we're going to zero in on another classic showdown. This showdown is between Herod's prison and the church's prayers. This showdown is between Herod's evil plan and God's righteous purpose. And it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 12. So in your Bible, on your device, please find Acts chapter 12. And from the example of the early church and how they prayed for the apostle Peter in a desperate situation, friends, let's draw some principles out that you and I can embrace as in these days of faith community mourning, we pray for one another. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 16, it's the biblical account of Peter's miraculous escape from prison. But just before we dive into Acts 12, let's read together these two verses of Scripture. First of all, James 5, 16, are you ready? God's Word says, pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. And Ephesians 6.18, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This morning I asked this question. How would the Lord Jesus call us in these days to pray for one another that we might experience a fresh freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ and his healing upon our hearts, and the renewal of our hope in Jesus' mercy. How might we pray one for another in those ways? And now we're going to spend the rest of our time in Acts chapter 12, four principles that speak to the manner in which we have the privilege of praying for one another in these days. And here's the first. Embrace the freedom of prayer. Embrace the freedom of prayer Friends, prayer is such an awesome gift that God has given to us, a ministry that he has commanded to us. I mean, anywhere, anytime, we have the freedom to call out to the living God. Acts 12, let's begin with verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also, This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. 
So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. As Acts chapter 12 opens, King Herod at that time, and this is Herod Antipas, he was the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the guy who ordered that all the babies, two and under, be put to death in the days of the birth of our Lord Jesus. So his grandson Antipas is king now. And in those days, Antipas unleashed on the people of God an intense persecution. And he actually arrested James, the brother of John. They were the sons of Zebedee. And he had James put to death. And one Herod Antipas saw that this resulted in an uptake in his poll ratings. He thought, I'm going to arrest Peter and we will do more of the same. So the apostle Peter was arrested. And he was held in a maximum security facility called Fortress Antonio on the northwest corner of the Temple Mount. That is a model of where the Apostle Peter was imprisoned with his death imminent. What was the church? I mean, the early church. Those early believers, what were they going to do? They didn't have any money. They had no political influence. I mean, what were they going to do? They didn't have those things, but they had something so much more significant. They had prayer. And so it was, according to that fifth verse, that the church was earnestly praying to God for Peter. The believers went to prayer, and they prayed that God would do a miracle, that God would not allow what had already happened to be repeated, that instead the apostle Peter would be somehow delivered from Herod's clutches, and that he would be set free. Now, what VIPs have you met? Over the course of my life, I mean, I bumped into a few people. I got a chance to briefly talk to Jerome again a couple times. Was totally starstruck. I was walking through Shoppers Drug Mart Creekside a few years ago when Bo Levi Mitchell was still playing football for the Stamps, and there he was, right there in the Shoppers, and I chatted it up with Bo. Uh, my grandson's bone doctor, Dr. Cheryl Greenberg, is the foremost genetic bone doctor specialist researcher on the planet, and I've had a chance to meet her a few times, and she is a gracious and personable and incredibly humble and very gifted lady. How about you? What's the VIP that you've met? Friends, this morning, let's not overlook the obvious. Do you know what the obvious is? We have the freedom to pray anytime that we choose to, and we have the freedom to pray, as the early believers did, to God. We're talking Almighty God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who is three times holy, 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 the God who is the creator and sustainer of everything that is, the God who fashioned us within our mother's womb, that God Almighty we get to call out to anytime, anywhere, nobody can stop us. Amen? So in these days, friends, as the early believers did in going earnestly to prayer for Peter by speaking to God, Let's talk to God for one another. Let's call out to God and pray for one another. That in the mercy of the Lord Jesus, we would experience renewed freedom in Christ. To live in the healing of Jesus in our hearts. And in his renewed hope over us, our families, 
and our faith community. We have the freedom to do this. Let's lean in. Let's pray for one another. We see that the early church, they embraced the freedom of prayer. And now look at verse 5 again. And we see the early church embraced a second thing here. Here's the second principle. Be fervent in prayer. And they were fervent. They were passionate. Look again at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Key on that word earnestly. It conveys the ideas of fervency, of intensity, of passion. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 44, when our Lord Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before he would give his life for us on the cross of Calvary, Dr. Luke in his gospel account, uses the same word to describe how Jesus prayed. And as he prayed earnestly and fervently, it was as if great drops of blood, sweat, went off of his forehead and landed on the ground. This word conveys intensity, and the early church prayed fervently for the apostle Peter. Why is this a big deal? I mean, I'm thinking of at least a couple of reasons. The first would be this. Friends, any time... That we choose intentionally now to embrace the gift and the ministry that is ours to pray to God. We're stepping onto the battlefield. That's instantly a spiritual battle. It will require intensity. It will require fervency on our part. I honestly believe this, friends. I don't think the enemy, the kingdom of darkness, is too concerned if we have a strong children's ministry, if we have a good youth ministry, I don't think the enemy is too concerned uh, that we're running grief share this fall. I don't think he's really too concerned if we preach sermons in here, fill your boots just so long as you don't pray. Because the enemy knows that when the people of God join their hearts in faith and prayer to the living God, calling upon the mercy of the living Christ, that's where the Fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God and the living Lord Jesus is poured over the people of God so that their hope is renewed, so that their hearts experience healing. So friends, in these days, please, let's embrace the freedom that's ours to pray for one another and let's pray fervently for one another, acknowledging that this will require intensity on our part because the enemy will oppose Not only that, the fact that the early church would pray earnestly or fervently for the Apostle Peter in that maximum security facility, it meant that they would persevere, they would press in, they would power through, they weren't going to give up. It also speaks to the fact that they prayed over and over and over. They didn't give up. There's a parable in Luke chapter 11, and I like this one. Jesus tells the story of a household that gets guests in the middle of the night and they need something to eat. Problem is, there are no groceries in the house. So what does the host do? He goes to a neighbor and he knocks on the door and he doesn't stop knocking until he gets what? The groceries. So that he can go back to his house and prepare the meal For the people that arrived in the middle of the night. I like the way Luke puts it. He says, because of this guy's shameless audacity. Don't you like that? Because of the shameless audacity, he will not stop knocking at the door. In the end, he gets what he was seeking. It's a powerful picture of prayer. Persisting in prayer. 
earnest, fervent prayer. We will press in. We will not stop. We will not give up praying one for another. That we would experience a fresh freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. His healing upon our broken hearts. And the renewed hope of Jesus upon us. Our households, our faith community. Now my grandson, my handsome grandson, he's a special needs boy. You know that. And he loves going for walks to the playground. And he will look at me and he will say, walk. And he'll point over there. Okay, Gideon, I love going for a walk with you to the playground. Let's do this. Now, if thereafter, at any point, I get a little distracted. I get talking to somebody or whatever. You know what he does? He moves in behind me. And he's got some real core strength. He literally starts pushing me out of the house. We're doing this. And he will not give up. He's zeroed in now. And that will be his repeated posture until we actually leave the house and start walking to the park. Friends, is this not a picture of the incredible privilege that is ours to pray one for another? That we would experience Jesus in these days in new ways. That his healing would be poured over our lives. That his renewed hope would fill our hearts. We're going to embrace our freedom to pray one for another. And we are going to pray fervently. Amen? Here's the third principle. Be focused in prayer. Be focused in prayer. Look again at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So the early believers were focused in prayer. First of all, they were praying for a guy by name. That was Peter. They were praying for Peter by name. Their prayers were focused. But not only that, they were making a big ask. Almighty God... Your servant, our friend, the Apostle Peter, he is being held right now in a maximum security facility. We have no idea how this could happen, but we are praying that Peter would be delivered. That was a specific prayer. That was a big ask. Friends, in our prayers one for another in these days, let's pray focused prayers. Right now, the Spirit of God is bringing to mind for you at least three people from our faith community. Tell the Lord Jesus that in these days, your commitment to him is that you will pray focused prayers for those people. That the peace and grace of Christ Jesus in fresh ways would rest with healing power upon their lives. Focused, specific prayers. Tell the Spirit of God if there's another way that he would have you to pray for these three people. That as you reveal, as he reveals, you will obey. Let's not do this. Let's not do this. Lord Jesus, we pray for all the lonely people. Let's not do that. Lord Jesus, we pray for the hurting people in harvest. Let's not do that. When God in mercy does a work and brings strength to bear in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we pray pray these vague kind of general prayers, I mean, how would we even know that Jesus has answered our prayers? Instead, That God might be glorified. That our faith might be enlarged. Let's be super specific in who we're praying, how we're praying. And let's make the asks God-sized. Jesus, you set Peter free. Please, in fresh ways in these days, set your people free. So we will pray focused prayers one for another. Very specific prayers. God-sized asks. And trust the Lord Jesus to be powerfully at work.
in the 18th century, there was a guy by the name of George Mueller. George had an amazing ministry. For his lifetime, he took care of God's precious kiddos, orphans. Over the course of his lifetime, George cared for more than 10,000 orphan children in England. On one occasion, with 300 kiddos that were under his care, they woke up one morning and there was literally no breakfast for the kids. Now, George made an entire lifetime and ministry of daily, very specifically, with focused prayers, asking God to supernaturally provide the need of the day. This was such a day. 300 children, no breakfast. He asked all of the children to assemble around the tables in preparation for some food that they didn't have. And then he said, Lord Jesus, you see all the kiddos, you love them. They have nothing to eat right now. We need your help. Shortly thereafter, a large order of bread was delivered by a local baker. And then there was another knock at the door. And it's a long time ago, so the person who delivered the milk delivered it with a horse-drawn cart. Well, the cart had broken down. The milk was going to spoil. So instead of that happening, the milk vendor came to George's orphanage and said, Could you guys use all of this milk? And of course he said yes, and thanks be to God. And just like that, the children had breakfast. Focused prayers, big ask prayers. In these days, we will embrace our freedom to pray one for another. And we'll pray earnestly, acknowledging the spiritual battle that's latent in the ministry of prayer. And we will pray focused prayers that the Lord Jesus will meet his people in powerful and special ways in these days. And as we do so, as we pray in these ways, friends, then we get to experience the force of prayer. As we pray, God works. God shows up. And notice how it happens in Acts 12, verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. I find these verses so curious. We know what's happening in Herod's plan the next day to Peter, right? And there he is, sound asleep that night, chained to the guards, and so sound asleep that when the angel of the Lord shows up and the glory of God envelops that cell, even that doesn't wake Peter up. The angel's got to cuff him. Get with it. I mean, how could Peter possibly have been sleeping that soundly that night? Was it sort of, well, i got to get a good night's rest because tomorrow's a big day? Friends, I have to believe that Peter's demeanor, that night in that jail cell, and the word cell is a different word actually than a word for a cell in a jail. It just literally means dwelling. It's like Peter was kind of sort of at home in that moment. To me, the only way that's even possible is because the shalom of Almighty God descended upon the apostle Peter and filled that room in answer to the prayers of God's people. Friends, let's pray for one another in these days that this shalom of our Lord Jesus 
that it would be poured over every member of our Harvest family and surely over our grieving families. Let's pray one for another. Next verse. Then the angel of the Lord said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. We're going to leave here in style. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they'd walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, that's the gospel writer, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening and exclaimed, Peter is at the door! You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Weird, hey? It was easier to get Peter out of prison than it was to get him into the prayer meeting. But there was the apostle Peter at the door of the house, knocking, and finally they let him in. And in that moment, exactly what they had been asking God for, the power of God was released in answer to the prayers of the people, and Peter was set free from prison. Kind of weird, isn't it, too? I mean, they think it's his angel, maybe, or at least that's what they argue about with the young lady, but they weren't praying for Peter's angel, were they? They were praying for Peter to be released from prison, and when it happened, they were shocked. Now, I get it. We have moments like that, and we all have those times where it's, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. But friends, in these days, as we purpose with a renewed intensity to pray for one another, can we dare to expect that Jesus is going to do a supernatural work in our midst, in the life of each person? I mean, let's dare to believe this. John Piper says that things that would not happen, happen when God's people pray. And that's really what James says, right? James says, you don't have because you don't ask. If we flip it around to the positive, it would be things happen. You have because you did ask God. And so it is that in these days we will pray earnestly one for another. That the presence and peace of Jesus would rest upon every one of us and our harvest family. With fresh grace. With renewed hope. And as we pray that way, we will dare to believe that Jesus in his sovereign mercy, will do even more than we could think or imagine. And we too anticipate that we will experience, even as we have, the force, the power, the mercy, the supernatural ministry of God at work in our midst in answer to the prayers of God's people. Oswald Chambers once said, prayer doesn't fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Let's own the greater work in these days, friends.
Let's pray for one another that Jesus would pour his mercy and his healing over our lives. Would you pray with me? Father God, in Jesus' name, we come before you in these moments and we thank you for the unbelievable privilege that is ours to call out to the holy God of glory and you hear us and you are filled with mercy and compassion towards your people and your heart is moved and your mercies are poured out and your graces are ministered to your people as we join our hearts in faith as the people of God and cry out to you. Spirit of the living God, move our hearts in these days to earnest, focused, passionate, persistent prayer, even as characterized the early church. And as we do so, because your word is true, and your character, God, is grace-filled and glorious, as you do, how we are counting on you, we believe you for it, Lord Jesus, to minister fresh, healing mercy and renewed hope over every life in our Harvest Faith community to the glory of God. And Lord Jesus, from your gracious hand, thank you for helping us. Thank you for hearing us. One in our brokenness, we cry to you for help. Thank you for being so merciful. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all of this. We pray it in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for a weekly message. Jesus calls us to pray for one another, to intercede on the behalf of others. Today we were encouraged to experience the freedom in prayer, to be fervent in prayer, we focus in our prayers as we embrace these three principles, we will experience the force of prayer. As Oswald Chambers once said, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Let's take up our greater work of praying for one another that we would experience in Jesus the healing of our hearts and the renewing of our hope. If you're experiencing challenges or hardships and would like prayer for anything going on in your life, or if you'd like to learn more about how you can experience the love of God and begin a relationship with Jesus, please email help at hhachurch.com. That's help. H-E-L-P at H for Harvest, H for Hills, A for Alliance, Church, C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. We'd love to talk with you, to pray with you, and help you experience the love that is available to us in and through Christ Jesus. Now these words from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.